Welcome to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name is Terry Barber with Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And every week we talk with Bishop Strickland about the events of the church and the world. We also cover catechism classes. Are you believing that? Yes, a bishop in the Catholic Church teaching catechism on Catholic radio. It's a great idea. Bishop Strickland, thanks again for joining us for this hour. Thanks, Terry. Thank you. Bishop Strickland, everybody's talking about the tweet you made over the weekend regarding um, Pope Francis. It said that um, you, said I, uh, you tweeted that I believe Pope Francis, the Pope, but it, it is the time for me to say that I reject his program of undermining the deposit of faith. Well, first of all, set the stage. What, what was going on at that time, and why? What? Why did you? Why did you say, uh, tweet that and, and explain what you mean undermining the deposit of faith? Well, it all started with a um, video that I was willing to record that was uh, dealing with the the gift of hope and the need for hope in, a, in our world where a lot of people are hopeless. Um, but the, the organization that was sponsoring this video that I was told something that, oh, they're, they're claiming that Pope Francis isn't authentically the Pope. Oh, and I felt like I needed to clarify that yeah. he, Pope Francis is the Pope. Amen. But I also, as I said in the tweet, I felt like it was, my responsibility to, to, to not just say, oh, yes, Pope Francis is the Pope and leave it at that, but to also say, honestly, that I have concerns about an undermining of the deposit of faith. And really, Terry, um, I know that people would disagree or people, you know, people say all kinds of things, but I can honestly say the what I did then and what I do, I mean, I'm I'm a sinner, I'm imperfect, I make mistakes, but it was motivated by love of Christ, Amen. love of the Catholic Church, and love of Pope Francis. Amen. What does is, what is Jesus tell us? Love one another as I have loved you. And Jesus loved us by revealing the truth to us and being willing to sacrifice his life for us. He says, there's no better love than to lay down your life for a friend. Um, I'm sure a lot of people would say, oh, well, Bishop Strickland sure not laying down his life for Pope Francis. But in a way, I think that's exactly how I see it. Of course, that's how I see it. Because, yeah, I mean, it's like, how dare you uh, say something, you know, criticize the Pope? It's not my intention to criticize. But if the truth is the truth, which I believe it is. I promise to guard the deposit of faith. And really, Terry, it, certainly it's on a global stage. And, you know, I'm in a small diocese in northeast Texas, and it's the Pope in Rome and all of this. But people are people, you know. And we've talked many times. You're a dad. The loving thing for a dad to do is to tell his children, sons and daughters, this is what the truth is, to share the deposit of faith and to guide them in that. And even, you know, for your dad, yes, Terry, that's right. or my dad, if if we as, as adults, especially, I mean, you know, children don't have the responsibility to correct their parents. But when the children are adults, that's right. and we're all facing adult issues in the world. I mean, you can't just say. 
oh, my dad's doing these things that are harmful to his life, but he's dad, so I just got to respect him. Nope. Real respect is to say, if you believe something needs to be addressed yes. that is contrary to the deposit of faith, to me, that's love, that's respect, that's what we're called to do. Yeah. And so whether people believe it or not, that's what motivated me. And really, Terry, it, it, it caused me to, to realize a lot of things. For one thing, um, you know, we do need to respect po the Pope Francis and, and really all people in, in positions of leadership. Of course. People in a diocese need to respect their bishop. Yep. But respect has to be properly understood. And one thing that I realize is Twitter is not the forum for respectfully dealing with these kinds of issues because people come at it from, I mean, there are a lot of people who have no faith there. That's one reason I've stayed on Twitter because I try to put truth out there yeah. into that mess, just that hoping that some people will see some truth. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, since his last tweet, I tweeted just the other day recently because it just came to me that this is something that I believe deeply that I will die for. Amen. And it's a beautiful gift that we have in our Catholic faith. I said, because somebody said they were going to pray for me. Yeah. And I said, well, I'll pray for you. And somehow it came to the point where basically the what came to my mind and what I tweeted as a priest, the greatest gift I can give another person is to offer mass Amen. for their soul, for something they're going through, for maybe an illness, or yeah. just to help them have a, a good and faithful and a virtuous life. Mm -hmm. But the greatest gift I can give is the mass. Right. The greatest gift I can receive is for somebody, for a priest to say, I'm going to offer mass for you. And that's what it came from. So a priest said, he was going to offer mass for me. And it just occurred to me as a Catholic priest, you know, I mean, I don't have money. I don't have much of anything. But what greater gift can I give than to offer a mass and to pray the mass for another person? What greater gift can I receive yeah. than to have a mass prayed for me? It's a great gift. We pray for Pope Francis all the time. That's why I stay in Twitter is because it's an opportunity to continue to share the truth. And, but it, it, it does, this whole episode this weekend reminds me that it's not the best forum for dealing with delicate, nuanced theological situations because people just yell and people say outlandish things. Yep. And, and many of the people on Twitter have no faith in God. We pray for them. Out of love for them, we need to try to share the truth with them. But so I learned that. And also in reflecting on this as I mean, I'm a man who reflects. I mean, anybody who knows me, yeah. I mean, I talk a lot while we're doing these recordings. Sure. sure. If I'm in the car with someone driving to a confirmation or if I'm just visiting, unless we're talking about things like this, yeah. I'm a quiet guy. I mean, people say, oh, Bishop Strickland doesn't talk a lot. And they, you'd, you'd probably be surprised if you saw me talking on this recording, because yeah. this is the very heart of my life. Yeah. I mean, it, I talk about Jesus Christ. I talk about his church. 
uh, talk about the need for truth in our society. But, but one thing, as I reflected on all this, I think just the, the general reaction, you know, was it reminded me of how the church has treated the abuse crisis. Uh, and, and I think we need, we need to continue to learn the lesson because I'm a bishop. I make mistakes. Too many of us as bishops, when we saw abuse, the last thing we thought of was, this is wrong. This needs to be corrected. Anyone who's been harmed needs to be addressed. Too often it was, oh, how do we get, avoid a lawsuit? How do we cover this up? How do we not you know, get exposed on this? This is not what we need to do no. as successors of the apostles. And thankfully, I mean, I'm blessed to have been in a diocese where it wasn't me. I don't take credit for it. It was my predecessors who said, as this all began, they said, we're going to deal with this properly. And nobody's perfect. Mistakes get made. But when you are setting that principle that we're going to care for the people that have been deeply harmed, we're going to, for the sake of the priest who may have been, who's been proven to be an abuser, and sadly that's happened. Sometimes there are allegations and there was nothing to it. That's tragic as well. But sometimes the abuse was proven. And even the priest would admit it. For the sake of that priest, it needs to be dealt with properly. And I think that attitude, and it's certainly not just in the church. I mean, look at the government. Look at all the cover-ups. Look at all the corruption. Jesus Christ calls us to live in the truth. And he anoints us in the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. So I think that what we need to learn is the truth is our greatest gift, it's our greatest value, it's our greatest power. And that's true for the whole church, from Pope Francis all the way down to the, the most recently confirmed candidate, the confirmandi that are being confirmed all over the place during this Easter season in the church. Um, all of us are required and blessed to live the truth. And if we see, we have an obligation to, to the flock here and, and anywhere we can, when we see what we, what is contrary to the truth, and there are too many things going on that are contrary to the truth that need to be addressed. I don't, I'm not in Rome. I'm not in the Vatican. I try to give Pope Francis the benefit of a doubt, but he is the Pope. Right. Just like I'm the Bishop of Tyler, I have a responsibility ultimately, and that it's out of that love of Christ and his church, out of love of Pope Francis and all of us. I mean, I'm, I'm very imperfect. I'm a sinner, but I'm obligated. When I see a lack of truth, out of love, I have to act. Yeah, clarity with charity, as we always say here at uh, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We come back, let's talk a little bit more about the responsibilities of a bishop like you. Stay with us, family. We'll be back. And now back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Welcome back indeed. Bishop Strickland, a quote that uh, you said on a tweet that's got so much um, ink being spoken about and talking about. Uh, it was regarding the Holy Father that um, 
you clarified that the Pope is the Pope because we have a, people like Patrick Coffin and Dr. Ed Mazza and others who are saying that the Pope isn't the Pope, which we call him set of a contest. And that's not our position. It's not your position. And then, you know, you mentioned that um, uh, it's now for the time for me to say that I reject his program of undermining the deposit of faith, Pope Francis. But I want to make a note. In 2018, the Holy Father himself told the bishops of Italy that it's okay to disagree with the Pope. So I want to bring that up because it seems to me you're disagreeing uh, with the Pope out of charity, not any vindictiveness. We pray every day for the Holy Father. But uh, I wanted to ask you to just clarify, and I think you made it the point of the sexual abuse problems that we were kind of quiet about, maybe with Cardinal McCarrick. There were pre priests and bishops who knew all about McCarrick but didn't want to speak, and that didn't go very far. So it seems to me that if things are going in a direction that need to be corrected and you don't speak, I think it's a sin of omission. Now, maybe I'm le reading into your tweet, but it seems to me that, that the truth needs to be top on the category of what we believe. In other words, if the Pope said something like, Jesus is only man, not God, that wouldn't be correct. And we'd have to say, Holy Father, excuse me, but that's not what the church teaches. It's human and divine, and this is the perennial teaching. Now, that's not, I'm not saying that he said that, but if he did say something like that, I feel morally obligated, if I'm a follower of Christ, to say even to the Pope, and I think the Pope will thank me, <clears throat> ultimately for correcting him am i onto something i think i think you are terry um because as we were saying before the truth is what sets us free yeah jesus christ is truth incarnate amen truth has a face it's the face of jesus amen and so seeking and living the truth is what is beneficial to all of us right and you know i I like the image I've, I've shared with you. It's uh, an image that's been presented to me that I think is is helpful. Um, but the idea of a plumb line, that it, a plumb line is basically if you want something to be vertically, perfectly straight, you yeah. use a string and a little weight right. that basically by gravity, it shows you this <laughs> is a vertical line. Yep. And, you know, if... If it leans a little bit, uh, as I just looked up, okay, just wanted to look up something a bit more about a plumb line. It's talking about hanging wallpaper, yeah. which is a pretty, you know, ordinary thing. But if you want to get it straight, yeah. you need a plumb line. That's right. So that it doesn't start gradually getting so crooked that it's all messed up by the time you end the, get the end of the wall. A plumb line keeps you true keeps you straight, true, vertical. And I, and I think spiritually, that's what we all have to seek is some, we have to be willing in, in uh, humility. I mean, I, I need to be humble. All of us need to be humble. There's too much arrogance and pride in our world. And we need to be willing to be corrected. We need to be willing to be brought back to the truth. And we need to be actively seeking that clear line of truth you know we talk about true north and we need to be looking for the truth and and i think that that's what are the principles involved in this yeah is we're collaborating as the mystical body of christ 
the Pope, the bishops, all of the faithful were seeking the truth. And if that's what we're after, then, yeah, we may, you know, I stumble or I get something wrong. I want to be corrected if I'm saying something like we've said many times before. If we and you can, especially the more intricate theological discussions, Mm -hmm. you can say something is like, are you really mean to say that you're getting into something that isn't true? It's inaccurate to what the church teaches. And I think we're not living in an age of clarity. Yeah. We need that clarity. And so I think that the whole controversy, we have the deposit of faith. And like we've talked about before, but it, our discussion about private revelation came uh, came back to mind for me. Um, it just so happened that Saturday, this weekend, as I was dealing with all this, I'm yeah. praying and trying to make sure that I handled it properly. You know, whatever mistakes I make, I try to... And you did. Is it a good example? You're willing to yeah. correct it. Right. But it, it seemed very interesting to me yeah. that it happened on May 13th, Our Lady. the anniversary of Our Lady of Fatima. Yes. I think every Catholic knows Our Lady of Fatima is what's considered a private revelation that has been officially authorized by the church as worthy of believing mm-hmm. that these three children saw a, a vision of the Virgin Mary, that she gave them messages. I mean, people talk about Fatima all the time. And I just found it very interesting that all this is going on on the anniversary of Our Lady of Fatima. How did the church determine that Fatima was not just an apparition that some children saw that didn't fit with the truth? They compared what the children, and there was a lot of study and a lot of interrogation. Um, There are books about how they did this. And they do this with any private revelation. The deposit of faith, the catechism, the scriptures, the magisterial teachings of the church are used to analyze anything like Fatima and say, does it pass the test of being according to the deposit of faith or not? So that for the church's history, that's what the church has done to measure is this true or not? Is it according to the faith? I mean, the Council of Trent with the Counter-Reformation yes. dealt with everything that had happened with Martin Luther and many others. I mean, he sort of started it, yeah. but Calvin and Zwingli and Zwingli, all of these mm-hmm. different ones yeah. in, in history. But what did they do? They compared using the deposit of faith to say, okay, this one's an error on this issue. This one's an error on this issue. The deposit of faith is this, the gold standard of Catholicism. And that I think we have to, to pay attention to. And any varying from that, we have to look at it and say, is this according to the deposit of faith? And, and ultimately, you know, the deposit of faith, that may sound sort of abstract for people, but And honestly, Terry, whether people believe it or not, to me, it all comes down to being true to Jesus, to Jesus Christ. If we believe he's really 
present in every tabernacle. And bread and wine becomes his body and blood, soul and divinity at every mass celebrated. And that he is the incarnate word of the same word that's being proclaimed at that mass out of various scripture readings and out of the gospel. It's about Jesus Christ. Amen. If you believe in him, I mean, look at all the martyrs, yes. including the apostles who died rather than do something contrary to the deposit of faith. That's the kind of faith we have to have in the 21st century. You know, I don't claim that mine's there, but I'm working at it. Me too. To strengthen my faith so that it is strong enough, yeah. if, it, if it came to that, to be willing to die Amen. rather than contradict the deposit of faith. And really, Terry, I know I'm doing all the talking. No, but I'm, I'm hearing it. I like it. I would say. Yes, Father. Bishop. We have to be willing to die to anything, exactly. not just give up our lives, but if it means losing your position, yeah. losing your status, losing the esteem of certain people that may disagree or don't even believe, then you have to be willing to die to that in, in all kinds of ways. That's what Christ did. Yeah. He literally died on a cross and rose from the dead to free us from the falsehoods and the evils of this world, from sin and death. And so if, if we're going to love each other the way he loves us, we have to do so in the truth. So I think that we all have to just remember, out of love for whoever the Holy Father is, out of love for every person. Yeah. I mean, Christ tells us, love each other as I have loved you. He doesn't say, love this group or that group, love a few people, love only the downtrodden. He says, love each other. Yeah. And, and certainly, specific care for those, like we talk about all the time. I mean, this is probably one of the few recordings where we haven't even really mentioned the sanctity of life issue. Right. But it's another one. Why is abortion wrong? Yeah. Because those that we're called to love That's right. are being harmed and their lives are being taken. So it's all about living the truth and loving as Christ loves us and being strong enough, which I'm not, I don't claim to be, but we have to work at being strong enough to, to speak when we say, see something that isn't true. And frankly, um, and like I said, I, I'm not in the Vatican. I don't have all the answers. I don't right. claim to, but I have Jesus Christ. He Amen. is the answer. <laughs> And but there are things that have come out of the Pontifical Academy for Life yeah. that are absolutely contrary to the the deposit of faith. Amen. And I haven't heard any correction or any nope. clarifications on that. That needs to be clear. That needs to be corrected. And all of us desperately need that. So out of love for Christ and his church, for the Holy Father and for the entire church, living that love that I do very imperfectly, but at least I'm working at it. But we have to. We have to live the truth. The truth and love are not sort of separate categories. God is love. God is truth. God is all goodness and beauty. And Jesus Christ is his incarnate son. I believe that. I know that to be the truth. As I was praying before him in a Eucharistic adoration today, Yes. I knew that I was praying before the same Lord who taught, 
the same Lord who died, the same Lord who was conceived in the womb of Mary. It's the wonder of our faith, and we have to be willing to speak up for it. Well said. When we come back to the next break, I'll give you a good example of Bishop Strickland uh, humbling himself because he tweeted something about the SSPX and then retweeted not long after, hey, you know what? I was wrong. I got corrected by a brother bishop, um, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, and uh, I'll correct myself. But you see, Bishop Strickland, that's what we're looking for from our prelates. We're looking for humility, humility, and humility. So stay with us, family. Uh, I want to remind everybody, if this is your first time listening to the Bishop Strickland Hour, we do have all of his shows podcast at vmpr.org. As a matter of fact, all of our shows are podcast on vmpr.org. And all of the shows are set on one thing, love for Jesus Christ and his bride, the church, and the salvation of souls. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back after a quick break. And now back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Welcome back indeed to the Bishop Strickland Hour. I wanted to tease everybody. Here's an example, Bishop Strickland, of, of humility because you, you tweeted something and then corrected yourself, I think the same day, uh, about the SSPX. And uh, you said something to the effect that uh, you spoke with or you, uh, you had a correction because Bishop Athanasius Snyder has stated that the SSPX is not in schism. And he's the one who went there, that Pope Francis asked him to go in 2015 to investigate that uh, SSPX, continues to hold traditions out for the Universal Church. The Eucharist of the SSPX is held as valid by the Catholic Church. We must turn to Jesus as Eucharistic face. Now, Bishop Strickland, um, you got corrected by a brother bishop I just want to say thank you for not going, oh, no, no, I, I'm not going to correct myself because, you know, I, I, I'm right when I, you know. In other words, give me a break. You've said it all the time. I've known you that if you're wrong on something, correct me. And you got, this is an example where you stated something that you found out, wait, you know, I'm, I'm not correct on this. I'll correct myself. Am I right? Absolutely. And, and really, Terry, yeah. I, I make no claim. I mean, the whole SSPX situation is yeah. very complex. Is. I mean, actually, even after I corrected myself, I mean, so many people are saying, oh, you're, you're wrong now. And it's like, I don't claim to really know. Yeah. But the key for me, again, yeah. you know, I, I'm sure people say, oh, Strickland, whatever. I don't, it, whatever. I am just trying to be as, Faithful Faith, as I can. Yes. What, what really prompted me was finding out. Tell me. With all the confusion, like you just said, I mean, I think you were quoting me, but the SSPX oh. Eucharist is valid. Yes, I quoted you, yes. That, if that, the truth of that is, is what motivated me. I mean, yeah, there are complexities there. As Pope Benedict said at one point, there are doctrinal issues. Mm -hmm. It's complicated. But when they say Mass, if Jesus Christ, body and blood, soul and divinity, truly That's right. comes there, then I'm going to pay attention. That's right. And I don't, you know, like I said, I don't encourage people to go the route of SSPX because it is questions. Mm -hmm. There are, there's a lot of confusion. It's right. very complex. Right. 
But if the Eucharist is valid, if Christ is there, then it's got the heart of the, the truth that the church is. So that's what motivated me to, you know, if I'm not humble before the body of oh, Christ yeah. as a bishop, then I'm in big trouble. And, you know, we all have to be willing to say, I made a mistake. Or, and, and with the SSPX, I still couldn't, I mean, I couldn't claim to have all the answers. No, I understand. Because there's, but, there, yeah, you're right. I mean, popes have said different things. It's, it's right. And again, you know, I would love to see a, a real definitive clarification of that. Yeah. But it, it gets complicated and it gets politicized. Yeah, it does. And, and to be honest with if, you. If the Eucharist is valid, it's then right. it's important. That is very significant. Yeah. And I would just say this. I, I don't mean to be criticizing, but. You know, the dubia from 2015 never got answered. We're, we want to have clarity as lay people, okay? Not just you, Bishop Strickland. Me, as a, a Catholic, I want to have clarity on all these issues. And it used to be called the doctrine of faith that would be clarifying different teachings about questions about um, doctrinal issues. And I don't see that as clear as it was personally under Benedict or John Paul II in my lifetime. So that's just a fact. And let me just add, Terry, yeah. just add to that. Yeah. Because I think a lot of the confusion that I see, and it, as the Bishop of Tyler, yeah. um, if I say, I mean, let me just use an example. Okay. I, I'm proud to be known. If I'm known for anything, yeah. I, I'm proud to be known as a bishop who stands for the sanctity of life. Amen. Conception to natural death. Life is sacred. Yep. That's why abortion is murder. That's why it's wrong. Yep. For me to say that, yeah. and then to hire somebody to work in our chancery, who is working, before worked at Planned Parenthood, oh. and is deeply pro-abortion, and goes down and, and protests in front of the cathedral, you know, that's a mixed message if I ever heard of one. Big time. We're getting too many mixed messages. Yeah. We need to say what's true in our our other decisions that surround it and how we respond to people in the organizations that we welcome. I mean, you know, for me to say that abortion is evil and wrong yeah. and then to appear at a Planned Parenthood rally that's a it, that's a deep contradiction. Of course, you're not going to see it happen. Right. No, no. <laughs> but we see too much of that yeah. in the church from the Vatican down. We need to be clear. If this is the truth, then all of our decisions correspond to that. We, like I said earlier, the people in, in Planned Parenthood, we shouldn't hate them. God doesn't hate them, but they're doing things that are evil and harmful and taking the lives of innocent human beings. So we need to correct them over and over again. But to to have this kind of mixed messages where we say, where if, if I were to say abortion's wrong, it's evil, but then to appear at a Planned Parenthood meeting or to, to welcome the head of Planned Parenthood yeah. to come and, and give a talk at our cathedral, that's just gonna confuse the people. That's what we've got to get away from, whether in a diocese or in the Vatican, anywhere in the church. We've got to continue to be consistent Amen. with with the truth that we proclaim. 
Well said. And this is why I'd like to shift into the catechism that we do each week, and it's the Way of Christ student, student's book. And we're just going to do through, through fundamental teachings on the faith. We're at question number 10 on page 17. And this is something that we teach a, a convert course on Tuesday nights, and people continually tell us every Tuesday, wow, I learned so much. Why didn't I get that when I went to Catholic school or when I didn't at Mass? I mean, we're learning so much, and we're just giving fundamentals. And I appreciate Bishop Strickland taking the time to just go through basic catechesis so people are grounded in the truth. And this particular question it gets me all excited because we live in a world with a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, and the world doesn't know what to do with suffering, except maybe pop more pills or smoke more marijuana or do something to medicate themselves. Because here's the question. This is the greatest, one of the greatest questions we can ask ourselves today. How can man offer his suffering with the works of Jesus? In other words, how can we unite our sufferings with the sufferings of Christ? And I mean, we can go on a whole hour or two on this topic, but I just love this because the answer is pretty quick, much quicker than I would have said, but I love it. It says this, Jesus' suffering and death give all suffering and death meaning. Wow, just right there. Just as Jesus invites us to share in his victory in the resurrection, Jesus calls us to share in his suffering by taping, taking up our cross and following him, by offering up all our sufferings to Jesus. We allow the Holy Spirit to configure us more into the image of Christ. We also participate in the redemptive action of Christ by uniting our suffering with Jesus' suffering for the betterment of others. And the quote is right from classic, you know, I mean, Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. This is one of those classic sites for redemptive suffering. Bishop Strickland, uh, give us your take, because you've been suffering. I'll be honest before I ask you the question. You suffered this whole weekend because you proclaim statements about truth. You do it every week as a Catholic priest and bishop, and you take that suffering and say, no, it's wasted. No, I, I know you unite that suffering with the sufferings of Christ. So I want to hear your take on what I call uh, not wasting pain. How do we not waste pain? Well, the, the catechism really tells, gives us the answer. Mm -hmm. And I think it's especially important in our time yeah. because, you know, no one wants to suffer. Right. But when you find meaning in the suffering, and as this says, I mean, that first line, Jesus suffering and death give all suffering and yeah. death meaning yeah. because, because of who he is, yeah. fully God and fully man. And all of this is critical to the early church's challenges with who is Jesus? Yes. Is he truly God? Is he truly man? Is he both? This, the answer to suffering is bound up in he had a real human life. He had a human body and he sacrificed that body for us. He suffered yeah. real human pain. It wasn't just sort of acting like it. He truly suffered and died. And we can all, and we need to reflect on that. Um, 
we're at the point as we come to the end of the Easter season, where in our province we celebrate Ascension on the, the following Sunday. Mm -hmm. In some places, we're recording the day before what used to be called, in some places still is, Ascension Thursday. We do it on Thursday. We're doing our thing tomorrow night. Good. Yeah. The Ascension of the Lord. Yep. And all of that has meaning because he really died and really rose. And that real death and real resurrection of the Lord of the universe, of the creator of all. I mean, in John's gospel, as we've gone through the Easter season, yes. we've read a lot of the John's gospel where Jesus talks about that mystery. When you see me, you see the Father. Huh? How does that work? And he talks about he's got to return to the Father to send their spirit. It's, it's the great mystery of who God is, but it's a beautiful mystery that we need to continue to share is the good news, the revealed truth, the message that Jesus Christ brings us. And it gives an answer to our suffering because of the broken, sinful world that rebelled against God. Jesus, his son, suffered to heal that. And we can share in that healing. We're going to come back and talk about Our Lady of Fatima and suffering and how it's a reaffirmation of the gospel. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Welcome back. Bishop Strickland was just giving an explanation on redemptive suffering, the value of it, and I want to talk about Our Lady in there too. Because, uh, you know, you think about the hospitals in Tyler, all over the world, people are suffering in hospitals, and if they've not been told to have an understanding of that their suffering has a value being offered up in union with the sufferings of Christ to help redeem the world, it's a game changer. I'll never forget, Bishop Strickland, when Scott Hahn, I met, just for those who don't know, back 35 years ago when Scott came into the church, I did his conversion testimony, and I worked very closely with him. And he uh, was talking about Colossians chapter 1. And I said, how did you see that as a Protestant? And he told me, he says, you know what? We didn't understand it. We just went over it, like whatever that means. <laughs> and as he became a Catholic and understood that, he said, that was this game changer. You mean every action's like a blank check that I can offer it up to God? And that really brought joy to him in his own life. Now, Our Lady of Fatima said this, Bishop Strickland, as you know, that souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices for them. And so my little grandson of three years old, a 103-year-old person, all of them can offer their suffering for the salvation of souls. So little inconveniences. Now we all participate in the salvific work of Jesus Christ. To me, that's a game changer. And I was a kid. I remember that, uh, that that was uh, what I could do. And uh, it was, for me, uh, valuable because I realized that even as a child, I could participate in praying for souls. Like, for example, let's give you an example. This is a story of a, someone that we should be praying for. Late-term abortionist Warren Heron, H-E-R-N, admits being a stone-cold killer for 50 years, killing unborn babies, and he says, I have no regrets. He's out in Colorado, and he's been doing this 
the killing of unborn babies for over 50 years, and especially he charges $6,000 for late-term abortions. He's happy to do that. And I just think right there, there's a sinner, okay, that I am started praying for when I read that article. I'm going to offer up some sacrifices, and I would like to ask all of our listeners to pray for Warren Hearn, Dr. Warren Hearn, who admits as being a killer. Somehow his conscience has been blotted out. And this, this is why redemptive suffering is so powerful. Do we have a relative or a friend who's away from the church? We can pray for them. Bishop, I didn't want to go to the next section on the Holy Spirit till next week, chapter 7. So I wanted to take, I think we've got six or seven minutes on uh, the um, Ascension Thursday that's coming up for the weekend and for those who are going to be um, celebrating it like we do at the Anglican Ordinariate on Thursday. Can you talk a little bit about the Ascension of our Lord? Sure. Um, of course, it's it's one of the, the mysteries of the Rosary that yeah. we pray, yeah. and it's the resurrection, of course, Easter, but the, the ascension of the Lord, as recorded in the gospel, um, is Christ, as we say in the profession of faith, he is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Um, that's when he returns to the right hand of God. Mm -hmm. and in the great mystery of all that, um, because in a as he says, anytime we see him, we see the Father. Amen. So it's it's not really that he and the Father were were separated, but he definitely was here. You know, it's it's beyond me to fully explain how the Lord was here and also with the Father. But we know that he and the Father are one. So the great mystery and but the ascension. The way, as I pray the rosary yeah. and reflect on that second glorious mystery after the resurrection, the ascension of the Lord, what always occurs to me, mm -hmm. and, and again, I don't claim to have all the, the answers, and it's easy to, to make theological mistakes. And if I make one, I'm, I'm ready to be corrected. But Jesus Christ mm -hmm. truly ascended to the Father in his, his resurrected body. Amen. So what I like to reflect on is that his human body is there with the Father in heaven, just like the assumed body of the Immaculate Virgin Mary. Mm -hmm. And those two words, I mean, those two words make a huge difference and really are a great way to talk about our Catholic theology. In August, August 15th, we'll celebrate the Assumption of Mary. Yep. This coming tomorrow, Thursday, for those celebrated on what traditionally was called Ascension Thursday, mm -hmm. or like in this province, we celebrate on the seventh Sunday of Easter. Mm -hmm. Whenever we celebrate the Ascension of the Lord, we're celebrating the Son of God, the Son of the Father, returning to the Father, under his own power, yeah. under the power of the Holy Spirit, which is always with them, Father, Son, and Spirit. Mary is assumed into heaven because it's not under her own power. Right. Just like she received, I mean, she conceived Jesus in her womb 
under the power of the Holy Spirit. She is assumed into heaven under the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's it helps me yeah. to understand what the ascension means when we think about Mary, a real human woman with a real human body yeah. assumed into heaven. Jesus, a real human man as well as God, fully God, fully man. Amen. But even we know the resurrection stories, his resurrected body, he, he ate, he had breakfast with the disciples, but he also could disappear and reappear. He could go through walls, yep. very different than, than our location-bound physical human bodies. But as he showed Thomas, he still had the wounds. Yeah. I mean, he was resurrected, but he still had the scars from his passion, from being nailed to the cross. So all of that is is a great mystery of, of how does this work? Yeah. But we know it to be true. And so the same Lord who walked this earth is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. I mean, that's an early formulation of a creed mm -hmm. to help all of us through the ages to understand that Jesus is with the Father, but he's also here in that incarnate presence in the Eucharist, the mystery of the Eucharist, body and blood. When we say body and blood, soul and divinity, yes, we're not saying, well, you know, anything except that his real body and blood, soul and divinity mm -hmm. in, in every consecrated host, in every particle of a consecrated right. host, every drop of consecrated wine that yep. is the precious blood of Christ, he's there fully present. I mean, you know, it. how does that work? I can't explain it. <laughs> I don't think anybody can. No. But we can't explain what we believe. Right. And in a lot of the beautiful Eucharistic reflections talk about the reality that, I mean, you have a tabernacle in that chapel that I visited a couple of months ago yep. there outside your studio. Right. I'm a tabernacle. I'm blessed to have it right here in my home. Wow. Chapel. The same Jesus is there present in, in the tabernacle there, in the tabernacle here. Amen. Fully present. The same Jesus, every dimension of who Jesus is, is present there. That's why we must be reverent because the Lord is really present, real presence. Um, and that's, the ascension is all tied on, into that. I talk to the, the young people at confirmation a lot of times that because we go through the renewal of baptismal promises where the one, the question about Christ says he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Yes. But he's also in the tabernacle. Yes. He's, he's both yeah. um, as Lord of the universe. And so his ascension is when he returned to the Father after really and actually being on this earth for 33 years as a man from a newborn child all the way to when he died on the cross. So all of that mystery, talking about the ascension is a great way to talk about the mystery, the whole mystery of Christ, the, the man God, fully God and fully man, who dwelt among us, did all his wondrous ministry 
died for us, rose, ascended to the Father, and established the church through their spirit. All of that is woven together. Wow. That is beautiful. And you know what? I want to recommend people to go and Google Eucharistic Miracles on YouTube. And I'll tell you why, Bishop Strickland. There's so many beautiful testimonies of these extraordinary means that take place in miracles, whether it's Lanciano, Italy, or something as recent in Buenos Aires. Uh, this is the, the, the game changer when it comes to realizing that Jesus Christ is present, body, blood, soul, and divinity, and what we have is consecrated hosts under the appearance of bread. It's actually Jesus Christ. What a mystery. But these miracles are taking place all over the world. And sometimes I think it's good for people just to watch those and say, wow, I better be more reverent when I'm in the presence of Christ. That's my take. Absolutely. All right. Well, we have a blessing. If you could give us your a blessing to our listeners, we would appreciate that, Bishop Strickland. Almighty God, we ask your blessing for all of us participating in this broadcast and those who will listen later. May it be an opportunity to rejoice in all the truth that you have revealed to us, to be reminded of redemptive suffering, mm. to be reminded that all of us can can and should be humble enough to be corrected when we wander from the truth, which we do in our sinfulness. And we ask your blessing, Lord, to guide us in your spirit and help us joyfully embrace your truth and light more deeply. And we ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Bishop Strickland. I want to also recommend to our listeners to listen to the previous shows of Bishop Strickland, because I know lots of people tell me, oh, I like listening. Uh, how can I get the other shows? Because they're listening on AM or FM radio. Well, if you go to our website, vmpr.org, that's virginmostpowerfulradio.org, you can download all of the shows of Bishop Strickland and all the other shows that we have on apologetics, on church history, Jesus 911, Terry and Jesse show, all of them were for you to send to your friends and that's how we spread the word about Jesus Christ through the media right now. We have to take it back. I want to thank all of you who support us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You can go to vmpr.org and check us out. May God richly bless you and your family. And until the next time, we'll see you again on the Bishop Strickland Hour and many other shows here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I hope your Ascension Thursday works out well, and whether it's on Thursday or on Sunday. I'd like to.